Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, welcome to this Monday evening episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Murder, you can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. And thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. It's my first full episode, not in Capitals country anymore. I do not think there are many Capitals fans down here in Richmond. It's uh, just, you know, nice different thing. Of course, you know, I, I always think of this place as halfway to everything in Virginia you're half it's about two hours to the beach two hours up north two hours down south two hours to my college in Blacksburg um so um and again the best part there's no capitals fans here so I'm probably I'm very very happy about that but the penguins they get their fourth straight win over the Anaheim Ducks this past Saturday they are now um they've won nine of their last what, what is it 12 games now just a really dominant stretch here from the Penguins outside of those two games against Montreal and Calgary. And they're starting to show, I think, a lot of people that, you know, this team is really good and there's they're expected to be getting back some reinforcements sooner rather than later. We're going to get to that later on in the episode. But, you know, my first biggest takeaway, I think, from that game against Anaheim, since, you know, we haven't spoken uh, since Friday when Pittsburgh took down Washington, um, I thought Pittsburgh did what they needed to do. Um, shot attempts wise at 5v5, Pittsburgh narrowly led the way at 51%. Scoring chances, though, the Ducks had 58% of those, 42% for Pittsburgh. Uh, Anaheim also had 66.6% of the high danger chances for 12 to 6, and then expected goals for. Um, it was pretty even in that regard 1.82 for the Penguins, 1.76 for the Ducks. Obviously, the lone goal was Brock McGinn's. We'll get, we'll get to that in just a sec, but um. It's just sometimes you got to grind out these kind of wins. I mean, you, you played the night before. It was a very emotional win for the Penguins. Um, they didn't have their best stuff in this game. It's hard to, especially because you did play the night before in that rivalry game. I understand the Ducks are a lot better than people expected them to, myself included. I thought they would stink this year. Um, but that's still a really impressive win for the Penguins. You take those two points and you run with them. Um, that's a kind of game that Pittsburgh – um, was not winning a lot uh, prior prior to this past Saturday, just because they haven't had a lot of luck go their way. You know, the Ducks I thought missed on quite a few chances, but Casey DeSmith was also really good, which leads me now into my next biggest takeaway. That's a really good start from DeSmith, perhaps his best since last season. I know he played well against Seattle um, a bit earlier in the week on that. Well, no, it wasn't on a back-to-back, excuse me. Uh, it was a couple of days after the game against Vancouver. Uh, Sullivan, Sullivan, excuse me, wanted to give Jari off, and rightfully so. He had been basically starting every game for the last three weeks to almost a month. Gives Jari another day off uh, for this one on a back-to-back, rightfully so as well. And he shut the door and then, and then some made a lot of really high 10 bell saves i mean again he faced 12 high danger chances for he didn't give up any um this is the version of casey to smith that pittsburgh is going to need here down the stretch they that the team needs to give jari as many days off as possible so he can continue to tear up the rest of the league and be hopefully a Vesna Trophy candidate throughout the regular season, not just the first two months of this one. Obviously, he's been playing the best hockey of his career this year, 
but you know he needs these rest days because if Sullivan continues to play him as much as he's been playing in these last three and a half weeks, he will be gassed by the time the playoffs come around. Heck, he'd probably be gassed by March, to be honest. So having DeSmith play well, very big for Pittsburgh because there was a time, and I was saying it on the podcast as well, I had a couple of people on who were saying the same thing, that Pittsburgh could be looking for a veteran backup. You know, Anton Hudobin of the Dallas Stars just went on waivers today. That would have been someone, if DeSmith kept struggling these last few starts, that I would love to look at if I were Ron Hextall. Obviously, that's not going to happen now because DeSmith has turned his game around a little bit. But, you know, that was one of the biggest um, issues, I thought, with the Penguins this year is that, you know, they weren't getting even average goaltending from their backup. It's something that is it's very important with this team just because the starter is playing well. But on the nights that he's off, you need to get at least decent goaltending. Hopefully, these next these last two starts um, pave the way for DeSmith to really turn his season around. So he was sensational in that game. And then, you know, obviously Brock McGinn noted uh, locked on Penguins guest, the only player from the Penguins so far that has ever come on to the show. But, you know, he notches his seventh of the year. And I said this when he signed. I honestly, if you compare McGinn and Tanev, there's really no big difference between the players. Um, they both are really good defensively. Their underlying numbers stack up basically like this. Offensively, it's basically like this. I personally think, um, this is my opinion, that McGinn has more of an offensive punch than Tanev, but you know, you can certainly argue Tanev. But you know, just McGinn has really turned it on these last few games. And honestly, I'll also say this. I think the fourth line with McGinn instead of Tanev um, is better for the Penguins with Aston Reese and Bluger than it was with Tanev the last couple of years, just because I think McGinn brings more offense to the table than Tanev. But, you know, it's just, it's great to see that line continue to play really good. I like that Brock is finishing his chances a bit more. When he's playing like this, he is living up to that contract that he signed over the offseason. I know there were some naysayers that didn't like it. I know there, there's all, there's been a lot of naysayers this season as well, up until I think last week. And I've seen this everywhere, you know, message boards, Pittsburgh Sports Talk Radio, Twitter, wherever you you know see Penguins fans talking about the team, just really kind of dumping on Tanev, saying that they wish they could have t- uh, dumping on McGinn, excuse me, wishing that they would have kept Tanev. I don't know, I uttered the wrong thing by accident, but um, I don't really know where that's coming from. He's been fine this year. Two point seven five million is not a lot of money. He probably got an, an extra year on that contract, and he probably should have. But at the end of the day. He's playing good. He, his underlying numbers are really good, and he's been a great fit for the Aston Reese Bluger line. So um, he notched that game winner on John Gibson, and I felt bad for Gibson because he wasn't able to finish the game. He got taken out at the end of the second period with a lower body injury. Um, I, I'm not sure what the updated status is um, for him with that one, but um, still, you know, that's a big goal. Otherwise, Pittsburgh did have quite a few chances. Uh, the rest of the game, there were, there were a couple of really strong shifts, one of them by the fourth line where they were in the duck zone for about 60 to 90 seconds, peppering shots on uh, Stolars when he came into the third period, you know, Gibson before that um, in the second. And, you know, credit to the Ducks goaltenders. You know, they were they were strong, you know, both Stolars um, and Gibson. Um, overall, though, just watching the Ducks, this is another big takeaway. It's not really Penguin-related, but – Man, that team has some serious high-end talent. Um, I definitely um, was not a believer in Troy Terry coming into this year, 
Um, he definitely has made me look like a complete and utter fool. He had that 16-game point streak this year. He embarrassed Brian Dumoulin and Chris Letang on multiple occasions on Saturday night, one, uh, the, the last of which with Letang, completely deked around him, got a beautiful chance on DeSmith. It just goes wide. It's like that would have been probably one of the five best goals of the year um, had Troy Terry scored on that. So he is going to be ridiculous uh, in the next couple of years. Um, Trevor Zegris, he's awesome. Um, I think if people are hating on that goal for some reason with Sonny Milano and that it, you know, just it's not good for the game, as John Torella says, um, just hockey might not be the sport for you, or you know, the, the time of the 90s and 2000s has just passed you by. But um, that, that's a really fun team to watch. If they play, I think around 500 hockey the rest of the way, they should make the playoffs. And I hope they do because, again, like they have a lot of serious young talent. You know, I love watching Cam Fowler play. Lindholm, John Gibson has been really good this year. Pittsburgh native, of course. Um, but that's a team that's definitely surprised me and a lot of people. And they gave Pittsburgh a pretty good fight, especially in that last 60 to 90 seconds of the game when they had the goalie pulled. Um, Pittsburgh was not able to clear the zone hardly during that time. And DeSmith had to, came up, DeSmith had to come up, excuse me, with a couple monstrous saves, one of which was on Ryan Getzlov with 15 to 20 seconds, got uh, stuck the right pad out. Um, Anaheim didn't get a good look after that because the Penguins played some pretty good defense, but um, the Ducks were really pushing those last 60 to 90 seconds, and uh, DeSmith and the Penguins defense was able to shut the door there and get DeSmith that shutout. But again, just a really big win. Um, that's now four in a row. They're um, firmly in a playoff spot. They're five points up um, from the ninth place team. And, you know, as I was saying on, on social media, you know, I've been saying to myself as well, it's almost like you didn't need to panic about the team when they were going through a little bit of a tough stretch. They've gotten mostly healthy, but now they are still without three of their top six wingers. They're playing good, committed team defense. They've gotten good goaltending. Crosby's starting to wake up. The fourth line has been really good. Jeff Carter's playing well. I mean, all, all of these are just a recipe for success overall with the team. They're back in action uh, Tuesday night against the Montreal Canadiens. They've split the first two meetings with them. This will be the last time they play them um, until next season. My Montreal is just not going to make the playoffs at this point. But, you know, Pittsburgh, they're just they're, they're doing what they need to do, you know, to, to clinch a playoff spot at the end of the year by playing well above 500 hockey. This is a really good team. There was no need to panic on them. Um, and you're seeing that right now with how um, they're finally starting to get the results um, that the process has basically lined up to be. Because at the start, the process was good, but they weren't getting the results. Now they're starting to finish their chances a bit more and the results are coming, which, you know, as the Philadelphia 76ers say, you trust the process. So um, coming up in the next segment, uh, we're going to touch on some Jim Rutherford talk that came out today. Um, he had some interesting comments about the Penguins when he was speaking with the Canucks um, and a couple other things as well, including some practice notes with Evgeny Malkin and as his return looks to be close as well. But before we do that, does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live. Another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It is called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device 
ever again. And the best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion to get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, welcome back here to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So today, the second topic, uh, definitely something I was not expecting to discuss on the show today, but, you know, due to Jim Rutherford's interesting comments, uh, we have to discuss them. So he spoke for the first time today while as the – team president or uh, of the Vancouver Canucks. I think he's the, he, he's the president of hockey operations. He's going to be hiring a general manager. He is the interim general manager until he hires um, the replacement for Jim Benning. Um, so I, I actually, I tuned in right at the perfect time because one of the Vancouver media members basically asked a question about two of his moves in Pittsburgh and one involved Jack Johnson and one involved Eric Branson. And, and the question also asked, you know, do you use analytics and stuff? So, Rutherford said, you know, he likes analytics, he loves using them, but he doesn't incorporate them into all of it. Well, I shouldn't say that. He says he sometimes makes hockey decisions not based solely on analytics. He then said that Jack Johnson, he doesn't regret the signing. He was a big part of the dressing room and did good things for Pittsburgh while he was there, and he wasn't ever given a chance on day one when he was signed. Okay. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing this for both YouTube and audio. Um, I've had some time to get my thoughts together. I think, you know, there's there's two ways um, to look at this. Obviously, one, he hasn't really learned his lesson. You know, two, good luck Canucks fans because you're in for a wild ride with Jim Rutherford as your general manager. I think overall with Jim, he did a lot of good things for the Penguins. Um, I saw a couple takes out there today, uh, multiple places that. You know, he kind of backed into those back-to-back Stanley Cups. I don't necessarily agree with that. I understand I, I understand both sides of the argument. I'm personally on the side that, yes, he had the core, but he needed to make the necessary moves to surround the core with good players so they can get back over that hump that they hadn't been over since 2009 because he had that 18-month span, right, where he was – striking gold, you know, A plus trades. Patrick Hornquist was beautiful. It looked like 50-50 at the time. Turned out to be a 100% beautiful trade. Phil Kessel, that's amazing. Trevor Daly, great offensively, bad defensively, but you got rid of Rob Scuderi. Carl Hagwin, really big piece. Nick Benino for Brandon Sutter. Those are all huge trades. Ian Cole, um, of course, as well, you know, for Robert Bortuzzo. Just, you know, a lot of really big savvy moves. Hell, Eric Fair, in free agency, he was also pretty important, um, I thought, for Pittsburgh. But overall, you know, after that, that's when it went south, right? After that 2017 run, when Rutherford decided to go all in on toughness and just throw stuff at the wall for the sake of throwing stuff at the wall, you know, Matt Hunwick, Jack Johnson, Eric Goodbranson, the, the Broussard trade, which I, it was fine in theory, I would do it again. It just wasn't a good fit. Um, but you know, it's just there was a comedy of errors time after time where it looked like every time he was making a trade, it was to correct a mistake that he made with the previous one. And it was just something he just would never learn his lesson. And I think that's the same thing here with Jack Johnson. Obviously, with that take today, he hasn't learned a damn thing, which is 
it's definitely disappointing because you'd think after he freaking bought him out just a, just a, a little over a year ago, uh, <laughs> you know, I think he would have said, yeah, that was probably in hindsight, probably not the best idea to sign it. I mean, I guess he's not going to throw the player under the bus a little bit. But the one part of that quote that was really weird was that he's like, well, you know, he was never given a chance on day one. It's like, well, no, duh, Jim. I mean, everyone that has access to, you know, analytic sites like, you know, Hockey Viz, Money Puck, Natural Stat Trick, Evolving Hockey, any website can look and see how Jack Johnson plays. You don't even have to look at the film to see how bad he was because that eye test from almost everyone that probably watched him, you know, that backed up his underlying numbers from the seasons prior, which went to show how bad he truly was. There was a stat today um, from someone that quote t- tweeted my tweet, um, <clears throat> excuse me, on Penguins Twitter here. If I can find this real quickly here. So Jack Johnson, at, this comes courtesy of Berg for Life. Jack Johnson at 5v5 in his Penguins pl- a playoff career, he played in seven playoff games. He was on the ice for one goal four eight goals against, 38% of the shots, 38% of the scoring chances, and only 37% of the high danger chances. That is horrifically bad and goes to show what a disaster of a signing um, that was for Pittsburgh. Just was not working out at all. Now, another part of this that I wanted to touch on. Um, How I say this, I think, the best. I think there are some people... Um, this goes for you know some media members, some people in the fan base that need to get over how Jim Rutherford left the team. And trust me, I think it was not that professional how he did it. You know, did he walk out? Sure. You know, did he rage quit? I don't know. But I think you know I've seen some people talk about it way too much every time it comes up on Twitter. You know, Jim Rutherford doesn't need to live rent free in your head. 24-7-365. I just I see some same some some of the same people. I'm not gonna call them out here on my podcast. Just you know, calling him a, calling him a baby and calling him other stuff and and all that stuff. And it's just like, okay, we get it. He left probably on the, not the best terms. It was definitely very questionable what what happened. That we still don't know the real reason why he left. Let's just leave it at that. He wasn't good his final few years. We don't have to deal with it anymore. And that's that. I mean, I think that's probably the best way um, to end this segment and transition into the next segment. But I wanted to bring up some of those quotes to just really question why Jim Rutherford was making those comments and to just, you know, give my overall thoughts on just, you know, where his head, I shouldn't say where his headspace at, just, you know, maybe why he decided to um, make those comments. It's mainly just because of Jack Johnson, you know, he's not going to admit that he's wrong. He doesn't want to be accountable for it. You know, whatever. There's nothing we can do. Ron Hextall is general manager now. Brian Burke is the team president. Let's see what they can do for this season if they want to go out and get someone on the trade market or whatnot. Because, I, I again, I feel much more comfortable with Ron Hextall at the helm than I do Jim Rutherford. Um, that's for sure. But that'll wrap up this second segment of the show. Coming up in the next segment, we're going to go into some practice notes today, including some stuff on Evgeny Malkin, while also previewing the game against Montreal on Tuesday night. But before we do that, this holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar, Bilt Bar. 
There's, they are filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat. And they're very high in protein. You get the best of both worlds. They're delicious and they are healthy. Built Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in the, in the shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. So throw one in your jacket or purse. You never know when you're going to need it. Because it's a season of peace and love, do not bring up your favorite Bilt Bar flavors at family parties. <clears throat> People are so passionate about their favorite flavor, they will fight for it, and things could get out of hand. Do you want to cozy up with something warm? Here's a holiday secret. Dip your Bilt Bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa. Let it melt a little bit and give your beverage a bit of that Bilt Bar flavor. Plus, you'll have a nice melty Bilt Bar to go with it. Be sure to have a couple of napkins on hand. You can go to BuiltBar.com, excuse me, Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Now, BetOnline has you covered for all the seasons for sports, and that means more props, odds, and lines than ever before, especially with the NFL season. There's four weeks left until the NFL playoffs start. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest, easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. That is BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, welcome back to this to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So there was a big update today with Evgeny Malkin. He hasn't done full contact yet, but I'm getting the sense that it's really close now. Um, this comes courtesy of Josh Yeo and a couple of other reporters. Malkin worked extensively with the second power play unit and looked really good. He also says, I can't imagine his return to the lineup is all that far away. Remember, a lot of the media members um, for The Athletic, you know, Pittsburgh Tribune, you, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette were saying around Christmas time, if not a little bit before, that Gino should be coming back. Right now, 12 days till Christmas. I got to imagine it's in the next week or two. Um, the only thing that he hasn't done yet is full contact at practice. This was the first time he, he's had extensive work on the on the second power play so you got to think that a full a couple full practices to ramp it up um, are coming for Gino so his return is not far away and boy does this team need it even though they're playing well um, it just allows everyone to slide down a little bit Jeff Carter gets to resume his role as a third line center um, it's just it, it's so huge for Pittsburgh to have Gino back in the lineup and they have certainly done well enough where they're in a playoff position when he'll be back. So the team should only be able to get better um, from here. The lines were the same from Saturday. Everyone was on the ice for practice. Brian Russ and Jake Gensel skated before practice. So it looks like they're starting the recovery process. I'm not really sure when they're expected back. I haven't heard anything. Um, all I know is, is that they're both week to week at this point. So no real update there other than then they skated before practice. Montreal comes to town. Pittsburgh has a really big opportunity here uh, before the Christmas break to really bank more points. They have New Jersey twice, one at home, one on the road, Philadelphia, Buffalo, and Montreal. Most Four out of those five games are at home. And, you know, the Penguins have traditionally been one of the best teams on home ice through these last uh, few regular seasons. Uh, last season, they were the best team um, 
at home. So um, this is a big opportunity here again for Pittsburgh to win these games. Um, a lot of these teams are, I, 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 well, a couple of them are bottom feeders. A couple others are not bottom feeders, but they're not good teams. I mean, New Jersey, they're kind of middling a little bit. They're kind of in striking distance for a playoff spot, but they've also regressed a bit. Philadelphia, they've won a couple in a row after losing uh, 10 in a row, which you know resulted in Alain Vigneault being fired. But you know that's a rivalry game. Anything can happen. And then Buffalo in Montreal. Pittsburgh has lost to both of those teams this year, but um, these two games will be um, at home for Pittsburgh. But again, you know, there's this is big here. You know, if they want to really make a run at a top three spot in the Metro, um, these are games that Pittsburgh should hopefully um, win. If you go, if you go down to the underlying numbers for Montreal, not much has changed. They have 43.9% of the expected goals. They have 41.5% of the actual goals. Only 48.2% of the shot attempts. Um, it has just been a horrific year um, for the Habs. I'm on uh, Money Puck right now. Their goals for per 65, 1.76. Expected goals for 2.06. Expected goals against per 60, 2.65. Their actual goals against is 2.48. So, um, again, you know, their, their, their struggles are pretty bad. You know, right after they actually beat the Penguins, um, funny enough, they let Mark Bergevin go. And now Jeff Corton is running their hockey ops, um, at least for a little bit. They don't they have not fired Dom Ducharme yet. Um, Scott Mellonby also resigned from Montreal right after that. So um, a lot of change with the Habs. Um, even after just a few short months, they went to the Stanley Cup final and were within three games of winning on that championship. But this should still be a game that Pittsburgh wins. They'll, they'll go for five in a row before um, they have a lot of home games coming up, which is huge. You know, they've been on the road a lot lately. So to come home and play um, at PBG Paints Arena. It's just big for Pittsburgh. And hopefully in one of those five games before the Christmas break, Evgeny Malkin will be able to make his return. But that'll do it for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. Our next episode, we will be back tomorrow night for a recap of the game against Montreal. I can't wait to do that with you all. So I will talk to you all then. Hope you all have a great rest of your day.